0: The rebels came there in 1998, January 6, 1998. The entire city, I will never forget, it was in the very early of the morning, we were sleeping and we heard gunshots. It just took one gunshot. And then by the time you can inhale and exhale, there's gunshots everywhere. They started shooting, this time my mom, my brothers, aunties, neighbors, cousins, everybody in that house had fled and left me alone. And I sensed that the floor was extremely hot. And then I peeped through the window. I'm telling you like the street was filled with rebels and the house was on fire. Not too long, the rebels were at the door. Operation no living thing, no living thing, no living thing. And I was like, this is it, last call to death. And I said, but God, if you save me, I will serve you for the rest of my life my father was a muslim and my mom is christian so i came from a country whereby both religions are very much tolerant of each other um where in in the in like as a child on fridays i would go to mosque and then on sundays i would go to church with my mom which was a very normal it's a common thing Mm. in sierra leone Um, muslims and christians coexist pretty much you know really well and there is no type of boundaries or restriction in regards to don't marry this person because they're Muslim or don't marry them because they're Christians, we pretty much coexist. And we thank God for that unity, even though, you know, as a a believer of Jesus Christ, the Bible said we shouldn't be unequally yoked, but we do have that tolerance in our country. So growing up, that's the kind of household I grew up in. So Fridays, I'll go to marks, and then Sundays, I'll go to church. From a very early age, I came to realize that being in church for me as a little girl was very exciting. It was very much uh, joyful, especially during praise and worship time. When the praise and worship is on, that's like my favorite part. I can just give everything not to miss praise and worship on Sundays. But then I realized when I was going to mosque, you know, me and my friends would go there. I was not really joyful, but I would have to do it because that's my dad's religion. Um, So fast forward, when I became a little older, my parents got separated and we ended up living in a village with my grandmother. My, my grandma was a Christian, may her soul rest in peace. So in the evenings, we will go for evening prayer meeting in church. And then in the morning, we'll wake up like 6 a.m., 5-ish, 6 a.m. in the morning to go for our morning devotion in the church, which was down the road from our house. And that was where I wanted to be. And that just brought so much joy to me, just making sure that every morning and every evening I spent time in church. I realized that they have children's choir, where they have the adults, their own choir, and they, they also have children in their own department for music. And I immediately joined the children's choir and I was, you know, made the children's leader at the age of eight. Of course, there was really nothing much that I knew. Then all I know is you can go and the drummer and the the, the guitarist will start playing and all we do is sing. So. I very much took interest in that real quick. And then I I loved the experience living in the village with my grandma and my siblings. And my grandma started teaching me how to read the Bible because I was in the city going to church, but I just go there for fun. And the pastor was the only one that was holding the Bible reading it. So as a child, I really didn't know that Children can have access to the Bible to read it. So my grandmother would teach me how to read the Bible and she taught me how to pray. And every night we would sit in the in the living room and she would ask me to pray. By so doing, she really helped me develop confidence in talking to God and just praying. But even at that time, I, I didn't have enough knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. I was just a churchgoer. Just a little girl I loved going to church with grandma and just loved the music in church. That was really honestly the only reason why I went. But little did I know God was using my grandmother to build that foundation and deposit that seed of righteousness in me. So I really did not take my time with my grandma with prayer, reading the Bible, going to church for granted. I don't care what part of the village I'm in. I'll make sure I come home in time for us to go for our evening devotion. So after I think four or five years of spending time with our grandma, because by then my mom was going to college to complete her degree after the separation with my my dad, you know, trying to um, gain stability again as a woman and as a mother to take care of us. So she was finishing her teaching degree, and the university was just maybe like twelve miles away from where we are in the in the in the village. So after four years, sadly, my journey in the village. Came to an end, and we had to move back to the city, you know. And then at that time, I really started going out to church full time, um, even though like I wasn't going to the mosques like I used to because both parents were no longer together. So I felt like I wasn't obligated to do that anymore. The the house where we came to live at in the in the city when we came from the village, the landlord was Muslim, and the children were Muslim. One of the daughter of the landlord was my best friend and she's Muslim. But then living in the village for five years, being so much invested in church, and I've learned so much from my grandmother, there was a little bit of conflict of interest for me. Like, how can I balance this? Because my, my friend, who was the landlord's daughter, will invite me to go to the mosque, and the mosque was just right down the road, like, this is the house, this is the mosque. I said, okay, let's make a deal. I will go to mosque in the um, in the in the evening with you, and then you can come to church with me. And that understanding was clear. The parent was not allowing her to come, so we will have to sneak sometimes to go to church. And we'll tell her, "I'm we're going for a walk," but actually, we're going to the church, you know. But that's how my um, relationship was like with in that season of my life when we came back to the city. But then I, I, I started listening to um, gospel music. I started listening to prayer sessions. And my grandma always tell me, read, read your Bible before you go to bed. Pray before you go to bed. And I did not depart from that. So even when I came to the city, the church that I found myself, I went back and enrolled in the choir. So I've always found myself in the music department anywhere I go, it don't matter where I find myself. And then I was enrolled in a secondary school, which is like a high school here in America. And in that secondary school, we have also um, music, Music class, like a choir. So I ended up joining the choir there too in my school and my church. So I was musically just finding ways to engage myself in the Lord so that way I would not depart from what grandma had taught me. Mm. But even at that time, yet still, I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord, but I just love the Lord. I love, I know that I love the idea of being in the presence of God. And that that protected me actually as a teenager because my, my life had always been in church. and sometimes some of my friends actually make fun of me like, girl, you, you have no life. like do, do you go to the club? Like do you just go out and have fun? But in my spirit, that's not what I feel like. that's not what. I knew that was not what I was caught out for. I didn't find joy in stuff like that because growing up, Grandma had taught me between right and wrong. In that time, when we came back to the city, we started hearing rumors of war. They started um, hearing rumors of war because there was war in our neighboring country, Liberia, and not too long, the rebels started branching into our country. This whole war was just based on diamond because our country have diamond. I'm not even gonna start going into the political aspect of things, but due to that reason, the rebels start coming over to our country. And people that were by the neighboring, like the border between Liberia and Sierra Leone, they will, they will send messages like, oh, we hear gunshots here, we hear gunshots there. And gradually this rumor became a reality. Hmm. And in Bo, the rebels came. And that was a really tough time for me, whereby I would have to put my fate to test. I, w- I was asking myself, like, if this rebel's come because, as a child, I didn't mention that I was diagnosed with polio, and there are other spiritual aspects that are involved in my um, reason of developing this disability, whereby I limp on my left leg after the the, the polio vaccination. I'm, I'm asking the Lord, like, if this rebel come because the way I'm hearing the rumors about how treacherous and how deadly, how wicked and how evil these rebels were and the things that they were doing to people, I constantly lived in fear. And it left me really questioning my faith in the Lord, like, how would I survive this war? How would I survive if these people come into our city? You know, so even though we were going about our normal business, because the war, the rumors of the war was like, Couple of towns away, it wasn't affecting us at the time. But I, we still went about our, our you know normal busy schedule, go to school, come home, do what we normally do as kids, and then um, my mom went to the city because she have siblings in America that would send clothes and money every time. The school is about you know like in America we have summer. Where the school is closed, so of course we have our seasons where school is closed, and then we're home for like a couple of months before we go back to school in September. So in within that um, three month gap, my mom's siblings would send like maybe a hundred dollars here, fifty dollars here to just help with the school fees because she was a single mom. She went to the city to collect the money and buy some of like some uniforms use shoes, of course we, we can't wear brand name, we have to get something that is fairly used for my siblings and I. And she had left us and went with with our neighbors. So she told us I'm going for like a couple of days and I'll be back on a specific date. But then before that, the Lord showed me a vision in, in the dream where I saw my mother was captured by rebels and everything she had, money, clothes, jewelry mm. was taken away from her. And I woke up from that dream that morning, there was a pastor that was my neighbor and I ran to him and said, this is what the Lord has shown me. Do you think it's going to happen? And of course I wasn't spiritually sound. I didn't understand the things of, the ways God speaks to us. But since I was young, God has always been showing me things through dreams. And he explained to me and we prayed about it. And I kid you not, that same day in the evening, my mom showed up. She looked like she has been bitten for days. The rebel had captured her, took everything from her, just the way how the Lord showed it to me in the dream. From the head down, no shoes, she was stripped, only clothes on her back. She came back. She said, I've been captured for three days. I was in the bush with the rebels and I managed to escape. The other people were still in the, you know, in the hands of the rebels, but she managed to escape. And I know it was by the ways of the Lord. Of course, she was heartbroken. We were heartbroken. As kids we were really anticipating getting those new clothes and new shoes, going back to school. That didn't happen. And at that point, that's when I realized, wow, this rebel news thing is real. Like, dear God, it's, it's just a matter of time, you know? And then they came to our city. They entered our city, I will never forget, it was in the very early of the morning. We were sleeping and we heard gunshots. It just took one gunshot. And then by the time you can inhale and exhale, there's gunshots everywhere, everywhere. It seemed like rain, like bullets of rain. And of course you will wake up from the, from sleep and you hear something like that, you're traumatized. Mm. You don't know where to go, you don't know where to start, you don't know what to take, you don't know. Some parents actually run and leave their children behind. That's how devastating it, it was. Parents will not that they want to do it, But in that moment, it was life and death. So you have to choose, do I take my kids or should I just? It may sound selfish for some people who have not lived in that experience or who may not understand the gravity of what I experienced. They might be thinking, man, I can't leave my kids behind. But when you are in that moment, you're not thinking, especially, and the rebels had a habit of coming early in the morning or sometimes in the middle of the night, whereby people are sleeping So when they wake up they will just leave all their stuff behind and they will come sometimes and steal them or they will be able to kill more people because some people are still half asleep. So the rebels came in the city where we were. My mom woke up, I will never forget. She had no clothes on, she just had a bra and a a little skirt on and me being the oldest with disability, she first carried me on her back and held my younger brothers on the you know, one hand here, one hand here, and we just started walk, running with the crowd. We don't know where we were going. We don't know what direction we were going to. We were just going. And unfortunately, in the midst of that, some people would just get hit by stray bullets because the bullets, the, it was, the, the gunshots were just, you don't know where it's coming from. Mm. You just be running with people and you just see one person drop and you have to keep going. There's no time to waste, like they will gun down your husband and you just keep going. So it was very, 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 very traumatic for us. That season passed. My mom decided to move us to the city because she was a teacher and she transferred to the capital city, Freetown. That's where she got a job and I was left behind because I needed to complete my ninth grade at the time. So I I was left with a family member for like a couple of months for like the whole semester to be over and then i finally came and joined my mom in Freetown in 1998 i think no 19 1997 1998 i came to Freetown came back and i found myself in another ministry that was just right next door to where my mom was living and i immediately went again and joined the choir and the pastor the founding pastor of the church really took interest and in fond of my my gifts and my desire to just serve in the house of the Lord. He promised my mom that he was going to pay for my school fees, take care of everything pertaining to education. So that was one less burden for my mom. And I made sure I was always available in the house of God to serve in any capacity that I could. It was there that I came to have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, all these years I have just love God, love going to church, love serving in church, but I didn't know the person of Jesus. I remember one evening, the pastor came and they said today we're gonna to watch a Jesus movie. And growing up in Africa, anyone who grew up in Africa, they know not everybody is privileged to have TVs in their home. So we were used to literally go to our neighbors' homes. If they have, like my my neighbor might have a TV that is this small, I don't care. As long as there's a picture showing on it, we're gonna go and peep through the window to just make sure we get a little glimpse of what's happening on that TV. So when they would tell us that we're gonna have a movie night in church, oh my God, I will make sure I come home early from school that day, make sure my homework is done so I will not miss that movie night. So that night, I'm not sure exactly what movie it was, but I know it was a film like you know like Passion of Christ kind of Jesus movies, but I don't really remember the title of it. But I, all I know it was a movie about Jesus. We came and we sat down in a group like this on the floor, and the TV was standing on a little table, and they started the movie. And we were I was I was amazed because I feel like that was really actually the first time I've actually had the privilege to sit down and watch TV in that capacity, mm. you know. While the movie was going, the scene came where, whew, where um, they were crucifying Jesus. Every time I tell this story, it kind of hit me differently. Because there's a difference between going to church and there's a difference between having a relationship with the, re- the person you're going to church for, which is Christ. The scene came where Jesus was being crucified and I immediately saw where people were celebrating him. This man was doing good. He was helping people, healing the sick, feeding them. And then all of a sudden, I saw the same people turn against him, beating him up, and he had his cross on his shoulder. In that moment, something happened to me while I was watching, and all my other colleagues, kids in the church were just sitting there watching to them. I'm sure it's just like a normal movie. But God got me that day. It caught my attention. And when I saw them beating him up, I got angry. I said, why are they beating him up? He didn't do anything. Like, he's innocent. He was just helping them. He's a kind man. Why? And the pastor tried to shush me down to not interrupt the movie session. And I just cannot be controlled. And it got so bad and I said, no, this is wrong. They should not be beating him up. He didn't do anything. He's just a good man. It became so disruptive, the pastor had to stop the movie. I was so, like, they can't control me at that point. I was crying. I was screaming and I was like, this is wrong. This man is a good man. I need to know where he lives so I can go apologize to him for what they have done to him because he does not deserve what these people have done to him. And the pastor turned off the TV and he said, how many of you here want to be friends with this man? And I was the first person, I was like, me? And I said, where does he live? I want to know where he lives so I can just go say, I'm sorry for what they did to him. And the pastor said, well, you need to be friends with him first. And he said the sinner's prayer. And I just sat there without even knowing what I was saying, but I know my heart was filled with grief. And I said the sinner's prayer. And after everybody left, I went back to the pastor. I was like, Pastor but for real, what, why? And then he gave me more understanding that this is Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. And the same way people treated him then, that's the same way we also are treating him now we might not be able to see him physically to beat him up like they did but in other ways we are beating him up after all the sacrifices he's done for us and i remember telling my pastor i would never beat him up i would never beat him up he'll be my friend and one day when I get to go to heaven, that's when he told me, Jesus don't leave here. Physically in this earth, he's in heaven. I said, well, one day when I go to heaven, I'm going to go apologize for what those people did to him and what we're still doing to him. Fast forward, weeks later, my mom started noticing some changes in me. My level of tolerance was different. My temperament was different. I was just filled with so much joy that I can't explain it. Even in the midst of the war going on in the nation, I was just peaceful. And then there were days I would go to school, there was no food in the home, and the Holy Spirit would tell me, go this way. Because like, you know, having disability is one thing. Your life is different from people that are normally, let's say I have disability in 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 my leg, right? I can't run as fast as you do. So I have to find ways that work for me to make my life comfortable so i have my route that i usually take to school that is much easier for me to walk and then one morning the holy spirit said let's go that way but then mind you that morning there was no food in the house there was nothing to eat so i woke up thinking when i come back from school what am i going to have for dinner and the spirit of the lord said let's go that way oh i fought it i was one stubborn child when I had first given my life to the Lord but I just love the relationship like the way how God just is kind and patient with us even when you have a stubborn attitude he's very patient and I said I'm not going that way Holy Spirit he said let's go that way and one thing about the Holy Spirit He does not He does not like pound you on the head he, he re-emphasizes things but in a very gentle way And then, okay, fine, let's go that way. So I went the direction he was leading me that morning. And Lord behold, as I was going, I found a bunch of money in front of me. And there were other people who've walked past this road on that day, that morning, other students going to school, but I'm the only one that saw the money. Now that was dinner for that day. And I went to school. I dare not take even a penny from that money because I couldn't wait to go home and tell my mom, God has provided for us. Mm. I took that money home. My mom made dinner and moving forward, my relationship with the Lord just became even stronger and stronger. There are a lot of things that the pastor didn't teach me, but the Holy Spirit taught me. Like for example, in the mornings or whenever I'm praying, the Holy Spirit will tell me, cover your head, like cover up your head. And I didn't even know it was in the Bible. So I will cover my head before I pray. And there are times if I'm having difficulty in school, like being bullied, people make fun of me, call me names. And I will come home I would just put my backpack down and have a moment with him. And he has a way of comforting you. I would ask him questions, but why were they so mean to me? And he would lead me to scriptures in the Bible. And I would read that scripture and it would just fill me with so much joy. That's the way I communicated with my God. Then, even when we moved to the city, the rebels came there in 1998, January 6, 1998. They entered Freetown. Again, the trauma started all over again. But then the difference is, in that particular time, I now have a friend, I now know Jesus. I have a relationship with Him. I remember one morning, it was actually in the evening, we had came from school and I was in the bathroom, because the bathroom is outside the house. So I went to take a shower. While I was there, I heard a gunshot. I was like, this is familiar. This sounds familiar. I know the sound and I know what it means because there were rumors that were going around that the rebels were trying to come into Freetown. The moment I heard that sound, I was like, oh, it's like trauma all over again. Hmm. So I was in that bathroom, no way of coming out because I'm thinking if I come out that stray bullet is gonna get me. And from the bathroom to our house, you have to go through flights of stairs and the stairs is outside, it's very exposed. What are the chances the rebels will not see me? So I sat in that bathroom, literally paralyzed by fear. Now, just because Jesus Christ is inside of you doesn't mean you don't have fear. Because even in the Bible, repeatedly, the Lord said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. So the enemy's main target or tactics that he used is fear. You understand? So fear came over me, and I became very, very paralyzed by fear. And I sat on that floor in the bathroom and just asking the Lord. Like at that moment now, I have a relationship with him, so I was not afraid of death. But I was afraid to leave my mom and my brothers. I managed to come out of the bathroom, went upstairs. My mom told us we can't sleep here, let's go. And we went down the road from my aunt to my auntie's house. By the time we got there, there were a lot of family members, neighbors who are there to hide, seek refuge as well. We stayed there for a couple of nights. Of course, like if three three nights feel like one year, because there was no sleep. You can't even, sometimes you can't even go out to buy food because there's constant gunshots everywhere. I remember we were there for a couple of days and one afternoon I just said, let me go lay down because they, they sometimes, I don't know, I think they did it intentionally whereby they will seize the shooting and then allow people to go out, cook. And then by the time you know it, the gun, like the gun shooting starts again. Hmm. So once the, like the the gunshot ceased, I went to my auntie's room. I said, let me go you know, to rest a little bit because I haven't slept in a while. So I went to that room, lay down there sleeping. And <laughs> not knowing the rebels had came again, they started shooting. This time, my mom, my brothers, aunties, neighbors, cousins, everybody in that house had fled and left me alone. I woke up confused gunshots everywhere. And I sensed that the floor was extremely hot because the floor was tile. And when I would step on the floor, it was very, very warm. And I was like, this is not normal. And then I peeped through the window. I'm telling you, like, the street was filled with rebels, and the house was on fire. It was a three-story house. Um, the first floor was was where they sell drinks. It was like a little shop where they sell provisions, food, and stuff like that. So they had put fire on the first floor, so that's why the floor upstairs was warm because the fire was under it. And I could hear the but- the bottles cracking in the shop. And I was like, Oh my lord, this is like leave now or die. But then I couldn't leave because the house was surrounded by rebels. I peeped through the windows, I saw pregnant women. I saw newborn mothers carrying babies. I saw little kids from seven and eight and up, teenagers carrying guns, like just destroying people, their own people, their neighbors, their friends, their families. And I quickly closed the blind and I went back to the house, to the back of the, the, the room and I said, I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of your life because if the bullet don't kill me, the fire is gonna kill me. So I was caught in between the bullet and the fire. It's like the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I'm sitting there at the time, I said, God, well, you can either take me out, or it seemed like I'm gonna meet you in heaven today, which I was not afraid to be honest, I was not. I had so much conviction and confidence that if I leave this earth today at that, that day, I know where I'm going. But then I said, Lord, but I don't want to break my mom's heart. I don't want to leave her. I don't want to leave my brothers. And most importantly, for the purpose of which you sent me here, must be fulfilled. While I'm sitting there pondering what to do, I realized there was a family friend of ours who we call grandma, was in the other room, bedridden. She couldn't walk. She couldn't run, nothing. She was old. And usually, she's very noisy. But God just seized her mouth. And then I heard knocking, like like rebels coming up the stairs to the second floor where I was. And they were screaming, oppression, no living thing. Oppression, no living thing. That means if you find anybody, kill the person. And then I went to the room where the family friend grandma was laying down, peeped through the window. There was my neighbor who was in the bathroom. I think while he was there, the rebels came. He got caught. He was standing there. He was trying to run from the bathroom to his house. He got picked up and shot. Like, I saw that. As sad as it is, I saw them gun him down, and I just went about, you know, worrying about my own survival. Now I have an elderly lady in the room who I'm also worried about, like, she can run. How is she gonna make it out of here? So we're both caught up in this house. And at one point I went to the bathroom. I didn't realize there were some people also sitting in there in the tub. And I just went and jumped in the tub and just lay down there. But it was so crowded and I had to end up leaving back and went to the kitchen. Like My auntie had like a little hallway and the kitchen was back there and I sat on that hallway. And the other people in the bathroom, of course, they can run faster, so they left. And I couldn't follow them because they can go faster than me. I just stayed. And I looked to the left. My auntie had a picture of Jesus Christ on a wall. I took the picture, took out my shirt, put it on the floor, and put the picture on top of it. And I was talking to the Lord. I said, you know, I'm not afraid to go home. But I want to leave for one thing, two things, your purpose and for my mom and my brothers. I don't want to leave them. And while those other people ran away, not too long, the rebels were at the door. Oppression, no living thing, no living thing, no living thing. And I was like, this is it. Last call to death. And I said, but God, if you save me, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will serve you for the rest of my life. And I was like, God, you will not allow me to die in the hands of the wicked. Save me. Don't allow the enemy to touch me. Don't allow the hand of the devil to kill me like this. I refuse to go like this. And then in that moment, the rebels turned against themselves in the stairway, and I heard the other one remove the gun and be like, boom, and shot the other rebel. God turned them against themselves when the Bible said he would cause his enemies to turn against themselves, mm. eat their own flesh and drink their own blood. They were fighting now amongst themselves. Me, I'm just busy praying, and I had kneeling down on that warm floor, like in that moment, like my whole body felt like ice. I wasn't even feeling anything anymore. So like, I know the floor was hard, but I was just there. I didn't care. And I just kept praying while they are fighting against themselves at the front door. Few minutes later, the gunshot ceased, went through the window. I peeped through the street that was filled with rebels. The street became so clear, like when Jesus parted the Red Sea for the Israelites there was no rebels. And I said, this is a trap, (laughs) you know? As much as I know that God has done this, I said, this is a trap. They're gonna kill me just like they killed my neighbor next door. And I went to the other, like the house, the whole area was clear. And I went through the back door, opened the door, went through three flights of stairs. In that moment, I literally felt like I was running on angels' wings. Like there was wings on the me, just flying down the road. I went there a couple of hours later, reunited with my brother. And I think the next day, we reunited with my mom and my younger brother. And just when I left the house, I think an hour or two, I met my auntie's husband. And he said, we're going back to the house. I said, why? You don't don't go back there. He said, the rebels came and killed the old lady in the house. So they came back cut her up like a chicken and so he said we're going there to bury her body up to today i don't remember how i felt i can't describe the feeling i was thankful that i i was saved but at the same time i was still thinking about that innocent old lady that was killed Through it all god God's hand have always been there. And even when in the process of escaping, my brother and I, literally there were rebels right there shooting at me, but the bullet would not touch me. And I would turn around and look at the rebel and he would smile in my face. Like he's literally trying to kill me and laughing at me at the same time, but the bullet could not touch me. God's hand have always been in pursuant, protecting me, guiding me. And I sit here to say, I have confidence that he has not left me. Sometimes I feel like he has, but then when I think of where he's brought me from and think of what he's still doing, I'm grateful.
1: Fatih, who is Jesus to you?
0: He's my brother, the one that does not judge me and went through every length to save me. He's my spiritual GPS that orders my steps. He opened doors for me that no man can shut. He is a power that nobody can force or contend with. He has my personal interest more than anybody else. He would do anything to make sure I'm okay. Jesus is my savior, my protector, my provider. He sustains me and he guides me through every difficult situation. Jesus is my all in all, even sometimes when I can't see what he's doing.
1: Fatih, for those that may be watching right now and uh, may need a little encouragement in their walk with Jesus, could you just give a word of encouragement to those who are watching who maybe are struggling in their faith, in their walk with God?
0: I want to say to you that is in that phase of your life, maybe you used to, go to church, you used to love God, but have not really encountered him. Because as I mentioned before, there's a difference between going to church and knowing the person of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, there's hope. Continue to do what you're doing. Continue to love the Lord. Continue to serve in the house of the Lord because you're not doing it for the icing of men. You're doing it unto the glory of the Lord. And just believe that he will show up for you. He is with you where you are right now, even in that difficult situation. You might not be in a home that is on fire, but your soul might be on fire, but you don't know what to do. Trust in Him. He is the calmer. He shows up in the right time, in the right place, just when you need Him. Don't let the cares of this world to distract you in a way whereby you, you think there's another option. Trust me, there is no other option. Anything the enemy provides you or offers you in this world is temporary and it it, it ends up in pain. So be steadfast, be still, and know that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's got your back.
1: And Fatih, for those who maybe are finding themselves in similar situations that you were in once, um, or maybe have experienced some of those same things that you've experienced, seen some of those same things, uh, what can you say to those who are watching right now?
0: Well, if you are or have been in the same situation that I've been in the past, I still say Jesus is Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changed. His word, when he gives his word in the book of Hebrews, it says, you know, his word will never return to him void. He will accomplish the, uh, accomplish the purpose and the mission for which his word has been sent. So I encourage you to be still, don't give up in praying. I know there is a season that happens in one's life where you feel like praying is a waste of your time, but I promise you, it is not. Every prayer that you pray, it's sowing a seed. And don't let the enemy lie to you that God does not hear your prayer because he hears you. He said he's closer to you. He is closer to the brokenhearted. So be still, draw closer to him and he will draw closer to you.
1: Fatih, do you have any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now?
0: My last word to you as a viewer, whether you're a Christian, you're Muslim, or whatever religion you believe in, I come to you in the name of the Lord to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. There's no bypass. This world is a temporary place. Do everything that you can to Make your relationship right with the Lord. Don't confine into the things of this world. Allow your mind to renew so the Lord can use you and accomplish the purpose for which you and I were sent here to do. Because at the end of the day, we're all gonna leave. And when we go back, we wanna make sure we report to the master that what you gave me to do, the assignment you gave me to do, I accomplish it. Wish your help and for your glory. So be strong.
1: Lastly, Fatih, can you just pray for those who are receiving what you are saying, who are ready to uh, come into relationship uh, with Jesus, that are ready to get to know uh, your friend, Jesus Christ? Could you just pray for them?
0: Absolutely. So before I can pray for you, I also want to encourage you for some of you that want to really know more about my testimony. And my book is going to be on Amazon. You can buy it and read more about. There are so many other things that the Lord has done in my life, up to the point to where I am now in the United States. So I encourage you to get a copy of it. Um, the title of it will be "How I Survive in the Sound of War" by Fatih K Samora. So I encourage you to read it, and I pray that that testimony in that book will even make more impact to you as this testimony here on the affair will be able to will be transforming your life and your generations. So I'm gonna pray for you that is watching, that is in that place of doubt, confusion, lost, and don't even know the Lord. And I pray and join my faith with you that the Lord will touch you in Jesus' name. Father, we just wanna thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, you are faithful. You are a faithful God. You never change. You're still the same from generation to generation. You remain faithful. Your power and your glory, your grace and your dominion is new every morning. Lord, I pray for everyone that is watching this testimony right now. That may be in a state of confusion, doubt, or their faith is shaken. Lord, I ask that you kindly reveal yourself to them just like you did with me just by watching the movie, I was able to found you and you were able to touch my heart that day. Lord, I pray that anyone that is watching this right now, that you will speak to them and your spirit will stir their heart up to come closer to you and to get a reason to seek after you. And I pray God for those who are brokenhearted, Lord, that you will heal their heart and you will guide them You will send them people that will nurture them and raise them in the ways of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I invite you to visit every home where this testimony is being aired right now. As you are watching, may the Lord touch you. May the Lord lift you up. May the Lord bro- break every confusion over your life and every doubt over your life. And may the Lord remove every veil that the enemy has placed over your, your, your eyes and your, and your mind that you will not be able to see the truth of who Jesus is. May that veil of darkness be removed over you in the name of Jesus, that you will come to the marvelous light of Jesus Christ and salvation will visit your home in the name of of Jesus because this is the reason why Jesus died for you and I so we may be set free and I decree and declare healing freedom in your home and your life in your finances your marriage your situation your children's life in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Lord, I just want to thank you for the testimonies that are coming out of this testimony. I thank you for the lives that are going to be won over to you. We give you glory. Ancient of days receive praise and honor forever. Holy Spirit, bring joy to those who need it right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this ministry that they will continue to touch more lives and bring more testimonies to win more souls for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.